Yeah, we'll talk about whatever and whatever's, but let's get right to the book because, you know, people tune out. Yeah, we're good in the They disappear. The After the first five minutes, they're like, yeah, interesting. So, it's yeah, let, make sure you give get out early. Yeah. Okay. You know, even like all your Instagram contact info, we'll get to it. And if you're gotcha. not saying, I'll get, I'll, I'll help you. I'll, okay. I'll remember. Cool. And then we can talk about whatever. What'd you get for Christmas? I got a mace. Cause uh, you really, you ain't my wife contacted you about yeah, it. She yeah. Did. Definitely yeah. Talk about yeah. That. I was waiting for you to say something. I was um, like, is he well, going to no, mention? I, I thought I wasn't we were sure for, for the show. Well, yeah, but I, I didn't <laughs> want to blow the uh, surprise. Oh, gotcha. Like if it was okay. late in the mail. <laughs> no, we got, it was cool, man. I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell the story. All right. I'll ask the question again. Yeah, buddy. You still are you sore after that workout four yeah, weeks I, ago? I, no, not that one. But I, I went after it again yesterday. Oh man, I'm feeling today, obviously. So yeah. it's, it's something, man. Yeah. All right, you ready? What's swinging, nation? Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. I am your host, Fred Moore, and with me today is Angelo Gingerelli who is an author of a book called The Finish Strong Book, which is about resistance training for endurance athletes. And that book is to be coming out in spring of 2021. And uh, Angelo is also a local Jersey Shore guy. And uh, he actually reached out to me and he said, uh, I have a book coming out and uh, you do some cool stuff with the Steel Mace and I think your, your audience would like it. So I was like, yeah, definitely, come on. And before we even um, got here, we already had a workout on the boardwalk, and it was pretty cool, and you got your hands on a mace and everything. We'll talk about that later. But thanks, Angelo, for coming on to the podcast, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about your book. And, um, yeah, welcome. Appreciate it, Fred. Man, I'm excited to be here. I've been listening for a while. We got to work out about a month ago, and I, I've talked about the steel mace so much throughout the summer. My wife bought me one for Christmas a couple days ago. So, uh, yeah, I've used it twice this month, and it, it's awesome, man. It's really, it's one of the, the few, uh, like, I feel like at this point, I've been in the, the strength and conditioning game for like 20 years, right? So you think there's not much new out there, but this was definitely something, something new for me. Yeah. And I think your show does such a good job of explaining how to use it, how to implement it. And then it was weird. Like sometimes the universe works in weird. It's supposed to be on the show in early December. You had to reschedule last minute. So we ended up working out together that week instead of recording a podcast. And I, I'm not going to say it was life-changing because that's maybe a little bombastic for something involving fitness, but it was workout changing. Like I worked out with you guys for a, an hour and I was like, I got to do this again. I gotta, I'm got i going to either buy one or join a place that has them or whatever it would be. And then I was lucky enough, my wife uh, contacted you and he, you know, corrupting your DMs this week, I guess, yeah. on, on Instagram and asked you what kind to buy. You gave her the best info you had. Yeah. And uh, now I'm a proud owner of a 10-pound uh, Mace Bell Mace that I think is, is, is cool so far. I can't wait to use it some more. Yeah, yeah. She reached out and I was like, yeah, go, go to uh, Set for Set. I got a discount code for you. And um, hopefully that discount code worked. But, yeah, you know, this is the second time I'm in person with you. And um, I do think that that workout changed your life. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah. You I, you seem like a totally different person. <laughs> tell, I think part of it is we're in the, the comfortable and climate-controlled shared universe podcast studio instead of the 25-degree Asbury Park boardwalk yeah. at 6 a.m. on a Sunday with a wind whipping around us. That's always – it's a weird time to meet new people because you're like, are we going mask, no mask? Are we shaking hands? Are we fist How do we do that? And then you add into it just – Bitter cold, right? Yeah. And then both of us being, you know, kind of workout macho guys, neither one of us would back down and admit we were freezing. Right. So we both just had to go through and act like there was nothing wrong. Oh, but it was a great workout, man. I'm glad well, I got through it. I, I got to say one thing, though, that is you're the only guy 
out of the three of us, you're the only guy that showed up in a pair of friggin' shorts, man. And I was like, fuck. I was like, this guy's tougher than me. And and you didn't complain once. And I'm like, I'm like, nah, he'll be out in like 10, 15 minutes. No, nope, you kept on going. You kept on going. You kept on going. I was like, all right, he's definitely battle hardened. Yeah. And I know what that's from because you're a coach in Seton Hall and you're coaching strength strength and conditioning and you're out in the field with these guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. We were you know one of my main responsibilities is baseball and in, in South Orange, New Jersey, it's cold the majority of the school year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and I, I you know, I'm not a big like you got to always be tougher than the players or whatever i think you can't be all bundled up and shivering and blowing a whistle asking them to work like crazy if right. you're not even gonna participate in the weather aspect of it you know what i mean yeah um so i think you got to be be on the on the team as much as running the team you know yeah. what i mean um and the joke i always make about myself is and why i think I've, I've my background's in powerlifting and olympic weightlifting right but the last 10 years i've gotten super into marathons right just run, run a bunch of marathons half wow. marathons really enjoyed it and that that led to the book which we'll talk about later but the joke i always make to myself whether it's people i'm coaching right I'm not athletically gifted. I'm not that talented. I don't naturally have a great build for the strength sports, but I could be miserable longer than you can. <laughs> I, That's definitely an asset. If, if we're running a marathon, it takes me three hours, half an hour in, I could be like, I'm not really enjoying this, but I could definitely do it for another two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a big mindset thing. I mean, that's incredible. Do you get into that at all in your book at all? Or? Very little, only because the, the publisher wanted to be very strictly the resistance training aspect of it with the idea that if that is a hit, there's other books to come on other aspects of the training. Okay. Um. So hopefully this is the first in a in a series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But it's going to depend on how. And it's been a, a bit of a rough go for my first time working with a major publisher because COVID has changed everything. Right. Um. It's been a three year process, and we're still about ten months away from actually seeing a physical book because at some point, you know, their offices shut down for a while, factories shut down, things just dominoes kept falling to push it back. Uh, well, number one, being resilient and relentless is important in, in dealing with a, a publisher just like he's dealing with any job or anything you might be dealing with. But um, it's it's a long game, man. It's a longer game than I thought it would be, and I'm just I'm learning that that business a little more every day. Yeah, and you know, I was really anxious to get you in here and talk about because, like, I would love to write a book. I mean, I technically I've been writing a book for the past forty years. Right. Yeah, just, of course. <laughs> I just have to finish page one, but you've actually got one completed and and your work and you know you have a publisher this is like really interesting stuff there must be there's a ton of fitness books out there there's a ton of people out there that, hey you could do it this way you could do it that way so i'm assuming and i think i'm assuming correctly that the publisher saw something in what you have in order them to even entertain putting this book out so that's why i wanted to talk to you so First of all, it's called the Finish Strong book. Well, the, the book is called Finish Strong. The Instagram account is called Finish underscore Strong underscore book. Right. Um, so the, when it hits shelves, if you're looking on Amazon, it'll be just Finish Strong uh, Resistance Training for Endurance Athletes. Okay. Right. And and uh, where does the idea for this book come from? Where does it start? I know you have a long history of coaching and everything like that, so you have tons of information but what's where did it all start i would say from the from the from going back to the mid 90s and powerlifting in high school right i went to i went to a public high school times river east uh nothing greater than a raider from the jersey shore yeah. right i uh, luckily had a public high school with a strength and conditioning coach coach ron devito one of the biggest influences in my life outside of my parents i spoke to him on christmas day we still talk 20 years after graduating high school 
and I, just, I, got, I went to the weight room in high school to get better at playing sports, right? I'm not very tall. I'm not very strong naturally. I have to work hard or whatever. And I just, I just fell in love with the weight room, man. My, my best friends were made in that weight room. I had a great mentoring experience with Coach DeVito. And we had a powerlifting team. And I got super into powerlifting in high school. Did it through college. Switched over to Olympic lifting towards the end of college and grad school. And then I hit about 30, 31. I was kind of bored. Like, I wasn't competing anymore. Uh, coaching athletes is fun. It's a cool thing. And you kind of succeed through them a little bit. But I wanted to try something new. So I was writing for a fitness magazine about 10 years ago. And the whole staff was going to run a 10-mile race in Philadelphia. I just started dating my wife at the time. She's my girlfriend. She's my wife now. She's my girlfriend at the time. And we ran a bunch of races with that that magazine staff. It was called uh, Fit in New Jersey. Unfortunately, not around anymore. It was a really cool magazine. And then I just called that Marathon Bug. And then the next year, 2011, around the New Jersey Marathon, and when you get in that, that distance world, that marathon triathlon world, you notice people don't necessarily get better through the training, right? At the end of a marathon, people look physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted, yeah. right? Yeah. Why did that happen? Why do you know cross-country kids, either high school or college, look at the end of the season like the light at the end of the tunnel instead of like, I want to go to this conference meet and, and have the best time of my life? College swimmers, because of the, the, the amount of yardage they swim, are so beat down and depleted at the end of a season. And what I kind of came up with was, I think it was my background in, in heavy lifting, right, combined with my, my commitment to continue lifting while I'm doing the endurance stuff that allowed me to, to train in a way. Now I'm not a world record holder, but I'm, I'm a decent New Jersey marathon guy from my age group. And I, I don't, I have luckily enough, never really been hurt, never missed any time training because of injuries. And in my mind, I think that's because I've always combined resistance training with endurance training, right? So over the, over the course of the last 10 years, I've become really good friends with a professor, uh, Dr. Richard Borders in the School of Athletic Training at Seton Hall. We would lift together at lunchtime. We'd run together in the afternoons or whatever. So we start talking one day and we're like, we're two of the few guys that we're aware of in the whole state that lift pretty seriously and run pretty seriously, right? Yeah. So that's, that's so, a unique kind of uh, combination, right? There, if you think about it, because people get so specific in their in their training. Yeah. They don't think they have time for anything else. Exactly. And I want to talk about it a little more. So that summer, which was 2018, I just got the idea of like I think there's a book here. I think with his credentials and resume, my credentials and resume, 20 plus years experience each. Um, we probably have something to say to help some people. So we started throwing the pitch out there, um, pitch to a bunch of di- – well, it's, it's a weird thing, man. If you're interested in the book writing process, I had an idea the year before for a children's fitness book, right? And I was pitching five publishers a week for the entire year. Got a little bit of interest, nothing happened, right? Early 2019, me and, me and Rich put the, put the pitch together, and I'm the same idea. I'm going to pitch five publishers a week every week. Send the first five out three come back interested in the book right Boom. yeah so we had a little bit of a bidding war nothing crazy but enough that we had some interested parties in it and then we, we got down to the final two and then we ended up signing with a company called bloomsbury which is it's technically an independent publisher but they're enormous their other property is harry potter so it's it's me and harry potter <laughs> Which is absurd when you think about it. You know what I mean? Um, so they're over in England, and it's a weird thing with it with with Skype and stuff. It actually worked out better because we've never had to go there for anything. We just met on on Skype and Zoom and stuff like that. But uh, the the world slowing down has has affected the release of the book, yeah. but kind of helped the the writing process because without commuting and all these other things, you kind of have more time to work on and put a better product out. So it's one of those things I always tell people if they if you want to write a book. It's if you want to self-publish, that's fast. You can self-publish something and get it on Amazon tomorrow, right? But if you want to go the traditional route, which I wanted to try, 
um, it's long. It's just a very long process to make it happen. You got to be ready for that. That it's a it's a figurative marathon to get something actually on the shelf in a Barnes and Noble or on an Amazon or something like that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think a lot of people get discouraged at that point too. They'll get a year into it and they keep getting doors slammed in their face or whatever. So yeah, they seemed to really hone in on the idea behind this book. It stood out. Yeah, and I think one thing that that this book has in common with Steel Mace Nation is we're both taking the idea of something very specific in a fitness space and just doing it to death, right? You take one thing. Now, we all, you do other things besides use a steel mace, yeah. but, and I do other things besides run, right. but I wanted the idea to be of let's, let's be the authority on this one thing that nobody's really become the authority on, right? And what I see, I think you said before, people are getting so specific and at a younger and younger age, right? You got yeah. kids that they decide they're a baseball pitcher at eight or nine, and not only do they not play other sports, they don't hit, they don't feel, they just do the one position for the, their whole career, right? Um, I think we're seeing that's not physically the best thing for people, right? right. Um, and where I kind of see the world going, and we talked this a little bit the day we trained, is I think when we when we were coming up in the 90s, you had power lifters were here, Olympic lifters were here, bodybuilders were here, yep. runners were outside running, swimmers only went to the pool. Um, and I think now, hopefully this decade, we're seeing maybe that's not the answer. Maybe the answer is I, I squat pretty heavy on Monday. Then I do my Olympic stuff on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, I do yoga. You know what I mean? And yeah. then maybe I go for a run on the weekend, and maybe that's a better approach. Now, I don't, I'm not naive. That will not make you a world-class athlete. To be a world-class athlete, you have to really focus on what yes. you're doing. But for general health and wellness, I think all of this stuff is good, right? We, kinda, we were texting a little bit the day after we trained that there's probably a space for a still mace and a barbell in your life, yeah. right? They're both good. They're right. both different ways to skin the cat. As long as the cat gets skinned, I think you're doing a good thing. But I think I think me or you trying to be the authority on this one thing is really providing service to people because, like you said, I, I saw your podcast because you had the Mach 1 Barbell guys on who were yeah. friends of mine. And I listened to that first one back in, I believe it was August. I listened to every episode since because I'm like, I don't know anything about this one little segment, but Fred knows everything about that one segment. So I'm going to try to learn as much as I can and implement it where I can. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know your what you're saying is definitely ringing the bell. Uh, and you know anybody listening to the podcast, I, you know I always talk about it for fitness for firefighters should not be specific either. And you know you got guys who either get all their physical training when we do our you know our drills, which is not good because you beat yourself up in those drills. You're wearing the gear, you're overheating. It's it's real life, um, and then. You know, you get guys who go and do bodybuilding workouts or they just run or um, they just do yoga. And none of none of those one thing are going to help with the job as a firefighter overall. It's being more of a generalist. Yeah, and I, th I think to some extent that's why – and I'm not sure your feelings on CrossFit, but a lot of college strength and conditioning coaches in my, in my professional hate it. They don't like anything about it, right? But the, one, the two things they've done better than any other aspect of what we do is this. Number one, they, they do a little bit of everything, right? So you might not become a great Olympic lifter. You might not become a great box jumper. You might not become a world-class sprinter. But you're going to get a little bit of everything every time you train, right? And I think there's definitely something to be said for that. Now, are there some shortcomings to it? And you should maybe coach some of the stuff better? Absolutely, right? 
The other thing they do that I think you can't deny is they foster a community, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 in 2018, I believe it was, I just had a personal mission. I was going to take a, a free trial class at every CrossFit gym in New Jersey that I could find, right? And I would go in, which is, I wouldn't tell them who I was or what my background was or anything, because I wanted the regular experience. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And there are some shortcomings to what they do, but what you cannot deny is when you walk in there, these are adults having a great time, like little kids playing Little League Baseball. Yeah. It's men and women from all different walks of life high-fiving each other. They're, they're great. You know, they're saying great job on that set of burpees or whatever it was. They're going out partying afterwards together. Yep. Um, you got CrossFit couples having CrossFit kids, right? It's, it's a great – it's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, well, if you, if you do that, if you, if you take generalized fitness that gives you a little bit of everything and you make it really fun and pr- make foster a community – can we be surprised it's the most popular thing in the world right now? Yeah, right. You're right. And and I, I have walked into CrossFit facilities, and it's been three times, actually. I kind of did what you did. I was just feeling it out. And every time there would be a group in there, and they would all look at me and be like, hey, you know, hope you join. Yeah, Check yeah. it out. Yeah. You have any questions? And I'm like, damn. Like, well, you know what I said? That doesn't happen. No, man. And pe- pe- a lot of people say making friends as an adult is really hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then there's two. I think there's two things that 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 drop that 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 kind of like standoffishness with adults. That kids don't have a lot, right? But adults do. And you got to kind of you could get drunk with somebody, and now you're boys, right? Yeah. Or you could go work out, which is the same kind of endorphin, same kind yeah. of energy. It's play. So, yeah. It's, we're gonna play together. That's what kids do. They just pick up a ball and start playing with each other. Yeah. And, and now we, I want to, and adults pick up a barbell and start right. playing with each right. other. Um, yeah. You're more real. Yeah, yeah, you stop all the uh, bullshit. It's really hard to put up a facade when you're doubled over, dry heaving because you did a tough set. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing feeling, and and I think that's what a lot of the other modalities are missing, like bodybuilding and stuff. People are just sort of like blinders on, walking around in the gym, like, hey, how you yeah. doing? And that's it. Yeah. You know, if you bother somebody, ask them a question, they they almost seem like you're you're bothering them. You know, whereas in, in CrossFit, it's like, oh, I'll show you how to do that. Oh, you got to get your elbows up higher. or you got to do this or you got to do that. Yeah, man. I think I, I think that's one thing they just cracked the code on. And they, I, I think that it's not surprising they have such diehard – I'm not going to call them cult members. I'll call them fans. They have diehard fans. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Now, in your book, do you get into CrossFit at all or – um, or are you just more uh, like what are some of the topics you talk so about? So the the main thing, the, I guess, the book's broken down into three main parts, right? The first one is is why why should we resist and train? Because if you're a lifetime endurance athlete, you're a lifetime runner, swimmer, triathlete, there's a pretty good chance you've never really been in a weight room before, right? Yeah. Your high school coaches, college coaches probably didn't make you do it because they didn't understand it themselves, right? So you're running 100 miles a week, swimming 10,000 yards a day, whatever it is, and have no idea like what a what a leg curl machine is, let alone what an Olympic lift is. You know what I mean? Um, so we're, we're, why it works, right? And why having the body stronger and more resilient and maintaining good ranges of motion over your career is going to be good. Because one, one, a lot of sports have a clear light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like football, for most kids after high school, it's a wrap. If you're lucky, it's college. If you're incredibly lucky, it's a couple years in the NFL, right? It, marathons, half marathons, triathlons, people do these into their 80s, yeah, right? right? And one thing me and my co-author, uh, Richard Borges, have in common is we got, got significantly better between 30 and 40 years old, right? So you can get better at endurance sports the way you can't really at power sports as you get, get older, right? right? So we're trying to explain to people that for the long haul, if you want to be, a, be running marathons at 50 and 60, there's some things you probably have to do at 30 and 40 to get your body ready for that, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's, it's a cool demographic where there's people that want to do it and want to stay in the game for a long time, and they physiologically can if they do the right things to take care of their body. And we're trying to help people get there. That's the, the how is 
physiologically why training will help you stay injury-free, make you faster, let you quote-unquote finish strong, the title of the book says, and not run a marathon and eat a month off at the end of it, right? Yeah. Um, I ran a marathon, take a couple days off, enjoy You did something awesome. Go have a party. You're, you're the man or the woman of the, of the hour, no question. But maybe that next next week, start doing something else. You know what I mean? Um, second part is how we're going to do it. So we, we've kind of broke the year down to four main segments, an off-season, nice. a, a, a building base period, a peak mileage period, and a taper period. And just kind of look at, you know, we kind of took up a typical year, not 2020, because this year's been insane with races getting canceled and yeah. events going virtual and stuff like that. But, you know, that off-season where you're not really training for specific events, the time to start trying stuff, right? Like if you've never squatted before and you do it properly, you're going to be real sore the next day, right? So the week of, of race is not the week to try that. Eight months before a race, try it. Get in the squat rack. See what happens. Now, then, from if I was looking at a training year for me, I would put the steel may stuff in for myself in that off season. I try it. Now, if I'm beat up and can't run the next day, maybe I can't do that while I'm training for an event. But if I get good at it, now that becomes something I can do in other parts of the year. So it's a great time to try new things, right? Um, the building base, we start building that base mileage and an aerobic base, and our workouts will tone down a little bit because we have a, a time commitment. I would say with endurance athletes, myself included, you're always up against two factors, right? We don't have, we don't have enough time because it takes hours to train for an endurance event, and we have too much fatigue. Right? right, you do even young, healthy cross country runners are exhausted all the time because they're running you know double digit miles almost every day of the week, maybe two sessions a day. So the idea is that can we can we be realistic? Can you give us two 45 minute sessions a week minimum, and we'll give you the best 45 minute workout you can? Right, and it's basic, it's very simple because your people almost no training age. Right, so to be realistic, someone like yourself would look at these workouts and be like, this is a joke. But you probably didn't run 12 miles before you got to the gym, right? Yeah, right. Um, and then we got our peak, our peak mileage where we're really, you know, running a lot of miles a week and we're kind of tapering down the workout. And then the tapers just really let your body feel better before the race and kind of, it, it's simple. We always, it, Tapers are a hard thing to discuss in our profession, but I always say, if you're going to run 20% less than you did the week before you started to taper, so you lift your, you know, doing 80% of your running, do 80% of your lifting. Make it simple. If you did sets of 10, do sets of 8. If you lifted 100 pounds, lift 80 pounds. But keep it about the same as you're running. Because we're finding that even at the college level, they start that quote-unquote taper, and they cut lifting totally out. Yeah. But your body was used to lifting, and your, those range of motions where your joints were, were going through, why would you stop doing something that made it successful up to this point? So get through it. You're going to be a little bit sore. Let your body recover. Keep moving in a good way and then be ready for race day. And then the last chapter is the actual workouts. So the actual kind of, if you're a cyclist with a, you know, in the off season, this is a sample workout of what you could do. If you're a, uh, a swimmer in the peak, peak mileage or yardage for a swimmer, this is a workout you could do. So those are the three main segments. And the idea is that if you get this book and you're in a weight room before, you will get a good idea of how to start resistance training, right? Um, and ideally, maybe you do something more advanced and move on after that. But for your first year, this is kind of your first year. And there's exercise descriptions and actual uh, workouts and how to implement everything all throughout the book. But our, our target audience and our target reader is people that have been running, swimming, cycling for a long time and want to either get healthy or get to the next level competitively. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you guys are hitting the nail on the head with this. One thing about nowadays is people are paying more attention to either a recovery or a taper but most people have no clue how to do it and you were just talking about it like how do i taper off from my schedule so that i am not beating the crap out of myself but i'm ready for this competition or whatever coming up a lot of people they go astray and that's one great thing about what you have in your book i think the biggest i, I am 
for a guy my age, I'm very into the internet and social media. I like it. I think there's a lot of great information out there, right? But one thing social media and commercials and advertising and ESPN, they never address. They they only show you men and women working to within an inch of their life, right? And then right to competing and winning, right? Yeah, right. It's every day you're sprinting, every day you're swatting four plates, every day you're throwing yeah. the biggest med ball in the gym, right. and then you go and win a championship and you cry when you win the trophy, right? Right. They weren't who I'm not whoever all professionals work hard, right? But LeBron wasn't doing 52 inch box jumps with a weighted vest and a hypoxic mask on the day before he played the Cavaliers. Yeah, it was a month ago. Um, and because I think the thing is like recovery is not it's not showing a guy an ice bath or a woman getting a massage is not as cool as showing them do a crazy box jump or throw a big med ball or yeah. swing a big. A big mace, you know what I mean? So I think the general population looks at it and they think you have to work like a raving lunatic every day, every minute, right to the, the, the finish line. And I'm the big advocate for work ethic. It's You can argue after genetic talent, the most important thing, but there's got to be a chance for your body to recover. Yeah. Um, and any, any athlete's any good is doing that stuff, right? Um, but we're not showing it. Nobody, nobody on their Instagram wants to scroll through their Instagram and see Steph Curry taking a day off. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We want to see him taking five thousand jumpers in the gym, um, and we just, we don't sell that part of the game. But it's absolutely part of the the process. Yeah, that's where a lot of people get lost because they'll either double down on their workouts because they think, well, there's not supposed to be any rest. I'm supposed to be a champ or whatever. So they get that that mindset where they got to keep grinding, and that's all you ever hear is like, "Oh, stick to the grind, stick to the grind." It's all work, it's all work, and and yeah, and then people wonder why they're they're run down, beat down, and then they they blow the race or they blow the event. Well, what, one thing I and I've I've been teaching classes at the college level for the last ten years, right, in in the classroom setting, and one thing I learned, and it's it's a thing I almost wish I didn't know, right. College kids who are, the, you can argue, some of the brightest kids in their high school because they went to a four-year college, know almost nothing about the human body. Have no yeah. idea how human physiology works, right? right? So the idea of that, you don't really, when you lift weights, when you run, when you bike, whatever you do, you tear, you're tearing your body down. Yes. And then it's when you recover, sleep, eat well, drink enough water, you recover and get stronger, faster, better, whatever you want to do, right? Most college kids don't understand. If, if the best and brightest kids in high schools aren't being taught that in a public or private school system, who knows it? No, nobody knows it besides guys like me and you. Right. Um, so I go out of my way to teach athletes and teach my, my students that. But it's, it's incredible and it's honestly sad how little we know about the human body as a, as a society. Um, and that's why I think this podcast, my book, other podcasts that record the shared universe like this are valuable because everybody wants to train and get better, but they're just not, we're not giving, when they're kids, we're not teaching them the, pro, the foundation of how the body works. Yeah. I, I always argue is like, if you let a kid graduate high school and they don't know what a calorie is, don't know what macronutrients are, don't know anything about physical activity besides what they learn when they're playing competitive sports. And then that kid is obese at 25. Who's surprised? Yeah. It doesn't, it's, it, it, we're setting everybody up for failure yes, by not right. teaching how the body works at a young age. Right. Um, and I like to think what I'm doing at Seton Hall is a, is a little, you know, I'm throwing rocks at a wall trying to knock it down and I can't knock it down by myself. All this book helps some people, your podcast helps some people, but it's just, it's, it's a sad state of affairs of how little we know about our bodies. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, earlier you were mentioning, so your the, the idea of your book is, um, to finish strong, to finish healthy, not beat yourself up. And I was, I just can't help but think because 
Um, I'm 47 now. And I, I know, like, right when I hit around 50, I'm going to be on some mission, like, to prove myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this happens. People turn 30 and they go out, oh, I'm going to run my first marathon at 30. I'm going to run my first marathon at 40. I'm going to run my first marathon at 50. Yep. A book like yours is great for them because a person who has never really worked out before and now all of a sudden they want to do a workout, they're dealing with a lot of uh, – probable issues with their body, possible dysfunctions and stuff like a weak posterior chain sure. or whatever. So if they want to run, they should have a strong posterior chain. Well, how do I get a strong posterior chain? How do I do it? How, how do I do resistance training and get ready for my marathon that I'm going to run for the first time in my life at 50? Like it's a lot of questions and it's a lot of, it could be overwhelming. And then you can see how a person could shut down. They need guidance. And, and I also like how your – I can't wait till your book comes out. I'm definitely going to be reading this because I like how you have um, a program for the whole year explained out. That is huge because a year is decent enough time for a person to really carve their path. And it's long enough out that they could have good goals and they could make their adjustments along the way. You could yeah. do a lot in a year and especially under proper guidance. Now – question for you if people buy your book is there going to be like any other um online support around it like a facebook page or anything we're, we're working on that right now right uh, now there's the instagram page at finish underscore strong underscore book um and i'm trying to we're trying to figure out how to how to do that right yeah. um we want to foster community online in some capacity uh we're not sure the best way to do it just yet we're gonna be because the book's been pushed back to the fall of 2021 we're gonna try to for Two guys that work in the college setting, the summer, the spring semester is brutal for us. Just working a million hours and traveling and all sorts of stuff. But uh, as we wind down the spring semester in like April and May, we want to try to take the summer and figure out once the book hits the shelves what the next next step is. You know what I mean? We don't want to give people a little bit and leave them high and dry. Uh, we don't want to keep milking them for more upsells as we go on. We want to keep providing good service. Um, and we also might want to write more, more books. We want to see how the best way to do that is. Um, and that's just something we haven't had a chance to really figure out yet. But I agree, there's got to be a next a next step. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, people buy the book and they're in the middle of a training thing, but they have some questions or whatever. And, you know, it would be good to be able to go to the source rather than say, hey, I read this thing in a book to some other guy who now it's their interpretation and it gets all twisted. Um, you know, and yeah. people like the community and you were talking about that earlier. So that would be really cool. Yeah, and I think where we live, we're in a good good spot for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's there's a bunch of running groups out there, so maybe trying to be a part of one of those, um, maybe even starting something ourselves. And maybe like two days a week we run on one of the boardwalks, and then two days a week we meet in a gym and do some training. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Something like that might might work where we live, um, because there's you know, everybody likes running by the beach. Yeah, and there's such a thriving fitness community. Like I, I follow your Instagram, obviously, and you're doing stuff in so many different locations. Um, and all, they all seem willing to work with with people if you you know make the deal work for everybody. Um, so those are all things that could could potentially happen. Um, we're just kind of kind of trying to figure things out as we go along a little bit. Yeah, that's sweet, man. Yeah, it, it's a work in progress. That's you know good for you, and that's it's a journey too. I mean, you're gonna um, you're gonna be enjoying yourself, and then banging your head against the wall, and, and enjoying yourself, and yeah, banging your head. That, against that's the kind wall. of this industry in general, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, it's 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 weird, man. I feel like the, the industry side of this is almost like the working outside of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have days you go in a gym and you feel like the incredible Hulk. Like you feel like nobody in the world could stop you. You know what I mean? And then there's days you go in a gym, put 135 on, and it crushes you. And like, what am I even doing anymore? Right. The joke I always give, like, I I feel like I'm in good shape and I'm decently strong for my size. Right. The day I met you, I believe it was a six pound mate 
face embarrassed me to the point where I hope nobody I knew was on the Hydro Park boardwalk. You know what I mean? I, I got a little better by the end of it, but I'm like, what we what we're trying to make our bodies do is so hard, right? Yeah. Um, and it's so specific that even if you're good with a barbell or a kettlebell or dumbbells, a mace is something different, right? Yeah. Um, the example I always give is in 2018, I ran the New Jersey Marathon on a Sunday, right? I took three days totally off, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then my daughter was at the time three years old, and she loves swimming. She loves it now. It's five. She shout out to my daughter June. She's a, she's a swimmer. You know what I mean? She just loves going to the pool. And I hate the pool. I don't like swimming at all. You know what I mean? Like I, I'll make if we're at a pool, I'll make every excuse. I don't want to get my sneakers wet. I just ate. I just don't like going to the water. Right? So I'm like, all right. If we're gonna be safe and have fun as a family, I gotta learn how to swim. Right? So for a hundred hours post marathon, best cardiovascular shape you're gonna be in. I jump in a pool. Yeah. Right? Four laps and I'm done. I'm yeah. looking for the lifeguard to pull me out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And then I committed to it. Did it twice a week. And by the end of that year, got got better. But like it was still just such a struggle. You know what I mean? And that's from somebody who's in good shape. But some things are so specific. You just gotta gotta do them. You know. And that, and it, it, two years later, I'm good enough to go in a pool and play with a five year old. I'm not good <laughs> enough to go in a race. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that's the thing about swimming, and and you know you you come from the quote unquote meathead background where you lift all this weight and it's all like, like power and fury and and sweat, and then you bring that with you into the pool and you're like powering through the water and you're wondering why isn't this it's working? The, and it's the worst thing you could do, right? You know what I mean? Right. Oh, um, like I always say, I I think it's it's weird, man. Coming from that powerlifting background, but doing marathon stuff now, some of my best friends are still powerlifting guys. You know what I mean? Um, and but I, I feel like after a certain level, athletes and people that train kind of respect each other. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though I feel like when you're younger, you're kind of like, this is my clique. Everybody else is stupid. Every other discipline is silly. And then as you get older, you're kind of like, okay, I'm a, a, a power lifter and this guy's a bodybuilder. But we're both very committed to, to making ourselves better and maximizing ourselves. At the end of the day, we're speaking the same language. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think... A marathoner and an Olympic weightlifter have more in common than a marathoner and a guy that don't leave his couch, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Have, I mean, for example, our backgrounds are very different, but we're speaking the same language in a way if we didn't train and didn't push ourselves, we're speaking a different language. Yeah, right. We're talking about like proper human movement and mindset and appreciation of, of what the body could do and, and all those deeper levels that yeah. come from it. Uh, even to the point where everybody kind of knows, like, oh, you've been training for 20 years, so you, you know what it's like. Um, even if it was like a, a dancer, yeah, right? They've yeah. been trained for 20 years. You know how hard they train. So they have a lookout on life, too, that comes from that. That's, that's like, oh, I got to get my reps in. I'm going to. I'll tell you what, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if this is a great thing, but the older I get, the less tolerance i have to be around people that aren't pursuing some kind of passion right. whether it's, it's music it's podcasting whatever it is because at some point we're, we're again we're talking that same language yeah. you know what i mean pa there's passion um, there yeah and, yeah and we we live in a cool area at the jersey shore we're like in asbury park on any given night in any venue pre-covid there were athletes Heavy metal bands, rappers, DJs, comedians, oh, uh, spoken word poets, improv troops, actors, actresses, everybody in the same roof partying together. Yeah. And I remember when I, I moved down the shore or to Long Branch in 2012, and I, I, I learned that community in 2013, and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. 
Like, I, I'm so happy and thankful to be in a place where I can hit somebody up on Instagram and meet them on a Sunday morning and swing a mace for an hour. Yeah. Some people can't do that. Like, yeah. we live in the, in the coolest place for stuff like that and for people, for passionate people to get together and talk about their passions and get better by meeting other people. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the designs behind me starting the podcast, just so I could sit down with people like you and just absorb what you right. got. You know, like, I'm a student of life and I'm never going to sit here and say I know everything. Uh, I don't want to know everything. I just want, I like this. I like learning. And you're right about the area. And you also, I'm glad you mentioned just now, because um, this is important. Okay. You're a stand-up comedian. I am, man. And uh, yeah, so if you, I have the one Instagram account for the book, and then everything else is under Mr. Fifth Round. And uh, the, I always joke around with, with fitness people. The way that that kind of happened was speaking to people when they're all worked up in a gym setting is about the same as talking to people after a couple cocktails in a comedy club. Yeah, right. right? So I was, it was just being around you know college athletes for about 10 years at the time, so 10 years ago. Um, I was always able to be funny and relate to, to younger people, so I just kind of gave it a shot when I was living up in New North Jersey, and then uh, since I moved down here in Asbury, it's kind of like a little scene has flourished where it's been really fun, man. And I think uh, I think that's one thing that people think it's it's always got to be like one thing, you know what I mean? Like people that run marathons and lift weights are one kind of person, right. and stand-up comics are all drunken degenerates that can't <laughs> function in real life. Right. Um, and I'm not; I'm both things, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I will I'll get out of a show at 12 o'clock, wake up, go for a long run come home take care of my daughter all day and i i want to be all of that you know what i mean oh my god be honest one of the hardest things when when covid hit for me was that i had a pretty good balance between those three things right D day job academic setting lifting weights stand-up comedy and then my family and that got blown apart in, yeah. in march and april you know every every comedy club every bar every performance venue shut down gyms and colleges shut down and then I was with my wife and daughter nonstop for four or five months, right? Which is not the normal setup for a strength and conditioning coach. And it was just, it was hard, man. It was really hard. And now, I don't know, you look at the numbers and stuff, you think things are going back to normal a little bit. Um, but I'm able to, because of some stuff opening, so I'm able to that balance back in. I'm, I'm just doing much better at life right now because that balance is kind of kind of back into place. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. So you did find a little equilibrium there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think that's one thing. I think as an adult, it's kind of like when you're – I think kids weirdly have a better balance. So like you're in high school, if you're an athlete, like you go to school for a couple hours a day, you do athletics a couple hours in the afternoon, and then at night you're kind of with your family, right? right. Um, and the balance is kind of carved out for you by the adults in your life. And I think adults just let that that balance go. You know, you got guys and girls that work 80 hours a week and commute and never see their families. You got other and they never work out. And then you got people that you know they're just they work from home, they're home all day, and they can't bring themselves to get outside and get fresh air and run or whatever it is. And I think you got I think that balance is super important, man. I think as, as crazy as high school sports could be, that kind of kind of three pieces of the pie they're all kind of equal is kind of a good a good pie for life you know what i mean yeah it's a good template to to build off of so do your do like replace your academics obviously you know you're done with academics you're older that that becomes like your work that's that's yeah, yeah. and then okay now there's physical fitness which you know is you know we talked about the the condition of people and the nation whatever the ideas behind fitness everything people might carve out 15 20 30 minutes for fitness it really should be a lot more yeah and i think the biggest mistake we make with with we have a group of people i'll go back for a second a little soapbox here in high school we take the one percent of kids that are going to play in college the mm. best baseball players best football players best basketball players, whatever sport it is and we give them all our time, attention, money, effort, right? right? Travel teams, 
personal trainers, nutritionists. They get all the every perk of being great, which I think they should have, right? We take the other 99% of kids that either aren't tall enough, aren't fast enough, aren't coordinated enough, and we give them nothing. We don't we high school phys ed is a broken system, I think we all agree with, right? And we don't teach them anything. And then they we wonder why they hate athletics, right? right. They they resent the athletes, they resent the coaches. Everybody kind of unfortunately laughs at like rec league basketball, rec league t- town soccer, you know what I mean? Um, and we make people hate physical activity when they're in high school, and then they, they're completely sedentary by the time they're 22 years old and would potentially graduate college. Um, I think that system is, is just incredibly broken. I think yeah. there should be more put into, okay, you're, and this is, I, I am 5'5". Five five. Playing professional sports was not going to happen for me, right? Somebody should have sat me down at 7, 15 or 16 and say, well, okay, here's how you prepare for the rest of your life. These are some activities you might like when you grow up, right? Here's here's what you eat once you graduate high school. I, I, I had one really great coach in high school, Ron DeVito, shut him out before, a couple of good gym teachers. But the majority of kids don't have that experience, so they're confused about this whole thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the other thing, I think, to adults, once you get really out of shape, you try a yoga class, you try a spin class, you try a steel mace class, and you, quote-unquote, don't like it, but you're so out of shape, you can't like anything. Yeah, right. Any, if you, I would say if you get winded on the way to the workout – you're going to hate the workout. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think you said it perfectly. A year is a good chunk of time to, to change some habits and do some things. And what I always tell people is find something you think you like and commit to it. And yeah. get in shape and get good at that and then decide if you like it or not. Um, like, I think a lot of places will give a free session, right? And I understand right. why that why it makes perfect sense. But if the person is, like, incredibly out of shape, can they even understand if they like the activity yet at that point right. after an hour? Um now, obviously, business-wise, you can't give away a free six months. That's not going to work. Right. But if you're an adult and you have some income, maybe you invest a little of that income into committing to a yoga class or a Pilates class or a spin, whatever it is, for six months and see if you're getting a decent amount of shape and then decide if you like it. Yeah, and then on that note, though, too, you you know, you're going to be meeting, like, a new trainer or whatever, right? And, and so you're going to be trying out this new fitness class with this new person who's a trainer. And then maybe you still don't like it, but it's not because you don't like the fitness class. It's just maybe you don't like the trainer. So you you might have to go try that same thing out elsewhere. Yeah. And it's not I'm not saying that there's something wrong with the trainer. Just how you connect. There's there's got to be a connection with you and that coach or that trainer. And if you're not getting that connection, don't write off exercise. Go find another coach. Yeah, a hundred percent. And try the same thing out, and and dead and give a year up to figuring out what you like. It's only a year in the grand scheme of things, and then maybe you get launched right in the direction you want to go. There's a joke I make all the time. It's people like, I don't have time to work out. I don't like to work out. I can't work out. And I say, if I gave you twenty dollars a mile, you would handcuff yourself to a treadmill. Right. right? Yeah. We do stuff we hate for money all the time. Yeah. Right? As a society, right. why is it so hard to do it for health? I don't understand why people are like, I have to go do, punch a clock at a job that I hate for a boss that I hate for two weeks of vacation a year and maybe the weekend's off. And I can do that for 40 plus hours a week for 20 plus years of my life, but I can't go to a gym or I can't go to a treadmill or a run or something like that. Um, now, what I think guys, what I do agree with, I think guys like me and you are lucky, right? Guys that wake up in the morning thinking about their training that day. Yeah. Guys that love, look forward to running the way I do or look forward to, to lifting like you do or whatever it might be. I, I understand why that's a lucky gene to have. Whatever it is, a personality trait, 
where I like exerting myself. You know what I mean? But I still feel I do a lot of things every day that I don't like because I have to do them. Right. Um, so why don't you just commit to it and find a way to do something you have to do for your health in a way you kind of like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or, or at the very least, get your friends together and do it with people you like, and that'll make it better. Yeah, just go play basketball or something. Just move. Yeah, like yeah. I always tell people, like, I'm I'm lucky. I like to go. I hear, I, I like to run by myself with headphones in and listen to podcasts and music. Yeah. That ain't for everybody. Yeah. There's a million other ways to get your cardio in that doesn't involve an hour by yourself every day. Figure out a way to, to do it. And the thing is, too, like with, uh, with the way we are with apps and, and tablets and stuff like that, like if you love it, if you like watching Breaking Bad, if you just walked on a treadmill for every hour of Breaking Bad, you'd be in good shape by the end of the, the series. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's ways to do that now. I, I always think about it. When someone says they don't like working out now, like think about in the 90s, like me and you, I had a giant yellow plastic indestructible Sony Walkman. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes. And if I had to pick the tape I wanted to roam because there's no other music available. You know what I mean? Right. So I was like, and then, it, I don't know, if the tape broke or it got all straight in the middle or you dropped your, your Walkman, you were dropped done. It. No, there's no music. You were right. done for the day. And now with Spotify, you literally think of any song ever recorded and you can listen to it immediately. Yeah. Um, and podcasts are a never-ending street. There's, there's more hours of podcasts than anyone could ever listen to. Um, so if you can't find something you either think is informative or funny or cool, like you're not trying. Like, there's so many, even if you hate exercise, there's so many ways to distract yourself now while you're doing it. I can't understand when people are like, I can't do, do that thing. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to your book. I want to ask you about um, with the layout of your book, do people also have a way to um, – dial in their nutrition do you i don't know if you cover that at all or lightly cover it but is there a way that they can work it in so that it fits the whole scope we lightly cover it right okay only because again what the publisher and the editor wanted was a very specific subject matter covered in the book and we're working with a pretty tight word and page count so they want to really just yeah. dial in right. on that one thing right, right. Makes now sense. any anyone with obviously nutrition is a big factor in what we're going to do what i always say to, to people with that, that start doing any kind of cardio activity is this. If you're trying to lose weight, you have to eat less calories or burn more calories or have to get in a caloric deficit somehow, right. right? So you would either keep your calorie intake the same and run whatever you do more to burn more calories a day or if you want to speed that up, eat less calories, right? right. Um, and obviously, do it, do it slow. Try to eliminate 500 calories a day somehow. 100 calories off breakfast, cut a snack out. 100 calories off your lunch, cut another snack out, 100 calories off your dinner, you've eliminated 500 calories a day. P pretty easy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you want to, if your body weight and your body comp's in a good spot and you want to get better at endurance sports, then I think you got to look at probably taking in some more calories because once you start lifting, you're going to be burning more calories, right? right? Um, you want to keep your water intake very high to flush out the toxins from your system. And then you want to keep your protein intake high enough to actually build some muscle mass. Um, and that's one thing that a lot of people that have a, a extensive history in endurance running have a big issue with, right? Yeah. The idea has always been almost like the idea of a, of a car in a NASCAR or F1. If the, if the vehicle is lighter, it's always going to be faster, right. right? Not always true with the human body, right? Yeah, right. That there's a, there's, you can't be overweight. You can't have 25% body fat if you're a guy and win a marathon, right? But if you could have 10% body fat and enough muscle mass to be stronger throughout the race versus 7% body fat and not any muscle mass or strength to keep your running mechanics good through the race, you're, to me, you're better off at 10% 
finishing strong, yeah. right? Um, and that's in that world, that's just really not not spoken about at all. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people fall flat is on their nutrition. Um, and you know, when people are trying to lose weight, they make the critical error of cutting calories and increasing their exercise all at the same time. And then they drive themselves into like starvation mode because their body's demanding more calories. It, it, it and I always tell people like, well, chill out on the cutting of the calories. Try to eat healthy right now, but you're just starting out. Just get get to the gym. Yeah. And I think that's another thing where it's just a misunderstanding of how the body works, yeah. right? If you're going to work out more and eat less, that's literally asking your car to – you're asking if your car to not get gas and then drive 100 miles. Right. Can't, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think they hit the nail on the head, man. Start training and change your life and your habits, and then once you're good at the training component – then start cutting calories. Yeah. Um. Because I think you say if you, if, you, if that's a recipe, you're gonna make yourself miserable, right? Yeah. If you do both of those things, if you cut your calories and increase your exercise, and you've never been active before, you're gonna be hungry all the time. You're gonna be sore all the time because you're not recovering from the workouts. Right. You're doing workouts you don't feel comfortable with, and in, in two weeks you're gonna be sick of it all and go back to whatever you're doing before. Yep. Yep. You're gonna fall right off, and that's that's a typical pattern that you described, and it happens to the majority of people. So you have to approach these things slow. It took you a while to put the weight on so it's going to take a little while to take it off so don't be in such a rush yeah so now um let's talk about the steel mace okay uh i really like to hear your opinion because of your background and your training and everything you i know you you just started using one but you know 360s and everything like that and you understand human movement and you've seen a lot of videos and everything where do you think the steel mace lies as far as a person who likes to be a generalist in their fitness Okay. Somebody who likes to power lift. How does how's it plug in? Okay, I think off after two experiences with it, one with you and then one yesterday with my own mace that my wife Amber got me after talking to you. Um, here's where I think it, it, it fits the best, right? I think if you're a lifter, so whether you're a bodybuilder, powerlifter, Olympic lifter, I think in that, that warm-up movement prep phase, as far as doing some of the lunges, some of the 360s, some of even the one-handed swings once you get good at it, I think as far as warming up your joints and getting your core ready to do a snatch, a clean, a squat, whatever it might be, I think it's, it's great. I think it's really awesome. I think if you're, let's say, an, an athlete, like a baseball, basketball, football player, um, I think on certain days where maybe your body's so beat up from the weight room and practice, um, like a day with the mace might be a good idea of maybe a good dynamic warm up, a good stretch, and then like a, a lighter mace working on movement and getting those shoulders going again, those hips going again, those knees going again, um, and just kind of working on doing that stuff properly, I think will be really great for recovery and getting stronger at some point. What, what I found with it was you know, whether you, whatever other implements I've used, they've always been weighted equally on both sides, yeah. right? So when you go to weight it on one side and release not having constant control of that weight of kind of letting it swing and then having control again is a really novel idea, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really more like most sports than barbells, dumbbells, or kettlebells are, right? Right. Which if you're swinging a baseball bat, you're throwing a punch in boxing, it's not the constant, slow, and controlled, always having control of the implement that we have with a barbell or a dumbbell, right? And that's where I think, it, number one, I think it made me look silly the first couple times I did it, but I realized the value in how do you get this this thing moving and then stop it where you want it to stop. Yeah. Um, so you get the, that you get that acceleration component when you start a movement, and then that deceleration and stopping bracing component at the end 
which I think is, is invaluable. There's a chapter of the book about, about core and anti-rotation, right? That if you're going to drive a bike 100 miles or run a 24, whatever it is, a lot of it, we lose a lot of our power and running mechanics by our core rotating in the wrong directions, right? Yeah. And it kind of working against our legs as opposed to working with them. And if you can brace that core and keep your upper body and your torso upright and moving forward as opposed to side to side, you might be losing a tiny, minuscule amount of energy every bike rotation or every step or every stroke. But when you do that over hours of training, it's a ton of lost power. Right. right? And where I thought that the mace would help with endurance athletes right away is having to generate force with your torque and generate torque with your core and then stop it immediately. Right. So kind of working on rotation and then stopping an anti-rotation within the same movement. There's not many things out there that did that to my knowledge, the way, the way a mace did. Um, we, we got some stuff in the book, and I messed around with some of the Kaiser machines and some of that yeah. that kind of and and they're good, no no knock on them. Um, but the mace seems just a like a cheaper and more natural way to do those movements than with any other piece of equipment I've I've tried. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, I, I love hearing that and your take on uh, counter rotation and and anti rotation. So that's like you know steel mace language right there, and yeah. you you speak it better than any anybody else uh, Thank you, that i've heard um and yeah the, a good point about it's a cheap tool that you could you could actually it's portable you could take it wherever you want and you know we're talking about the jersey shore nothing is more fun than standing on some sand down by the water um for anybody listening that's not near a beach uh just get a get a wood box and fill it with sand yeah and, and just do do swings in it because the shifting sand under your feet adds another element and it really puts a tax on your system that you've never felt before um and then yeah baseball you know a pitcher uh, you know how many practice pitches are they going to throw before their arm starts to get destroyed right they have to find other ways to train and then maybe like doing shoulder presses or rows is not the answer either it's part of the package right but they need something that's going to mimic that same athletic motion like the throw and how interesting it is when you you know do like say a mill or something with a with a ten pound mace, as it extends outward, you have to learn how to slow it down. Whereas a pitcher is throwing that whip, so they have to learn almost something opposite. But doesn't that translate over to that throw? Yeah, well, I think if you look at the majority of athletic injuries, not not just baseball, baseball's injuries, but all. We see more problems with deceleration and stopping right. than we do with starting and acceleration, right? Yes. You guys play fantasy football. If you ever lose a receiver or running back for an ACL, it's almost always when they stop the cut, right? Yeah. It's not when they start off the line of scrimmage. Um, that's just one example. There's a million other ones. But if you could coach that and teach that deceleration and stopping, starting with the core and then going to the extremities, theoretically, you would see less injuries in the field and in, 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 for regular people in your real life. Right. You know what I mean? Um so yeah, I think it. I think it's valuable, man. Somebody with it with a five year old that runs after a kid all day, that that stopping, stopping, lunging to pick her up, you know, and that kind of thing. I think I, I think there's a very big functional component to it, because um, it's, it's more quote unquote real life than most of the other training implements out there. So that, that's what that's the first thing I would say. It's more athletic and more like real life than most other forms of weight. That being said, I'm I'm still gonna lift weights. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think it's a it's a great tool. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And yes, uh, I think it's great when people also lift weights too, because um, the the steel mace will leave some things out in as far as movement is concerned. But um, 
overall, we're talking about a whole new modality that you could lace into whatever it is that you do. And uh, you, you're, you're running too. So where did you learn how to run? Self-taught, man. Really, that's the best way to say it. Because you're talking on... about running using your core, which right. is which is interesting. I only heard that one other time with a guest that was on the podcast, the, the chi person, right? yeah. The tai and chi he was person. talking about running with, with your core, and now every time I see slow motion video of people running, I'm like, they're running with their core. I'm like, this yeah. is awesome. So, like, you just figure that out on your own yeah. through b basic movement patterns. And yeah, stuff? It, honestly, I, it was it was another thing where I kind of got lucky at, where it's just like I kind of had good distance running mechanics on my own um before i ever read a book or thought about it or I, I really really i've never been coached by a track coach i didn't do track in high school or anything like that i kind of got into it much later um uh, but i i do think if you could te teach that or learn it it's gonna make whatever you do much much easier and you're gonna do it a lot longer time yeah um and like i said i'm not a it, i it's just something like i got kind of an innate ability to kind of move the right way in that one movement you know what i mean yeah now if we start taking jump shots you're gonna look ugly and you're like what's that guy talking about but as far as if we're gonna run a couple miles i i kind of kind of my, my brain kind of gets it yeah right and and um the the running is better obviously it's gonna be better if you're if you don't have muscle dysfunctions dysfunctions and things yeah. like that yeah because what, what i would say about about any kind of distance event right um if you have even a minor dysfunction or, or uh you know something's tight where it shouldn't be or range of motion is limited or limitation anywhere it's not an issue the first 10 steps but we're taking 10,000 plus steps yeah and it just gets progressively worse you know what i mean um so what i always what i would say to people is we, we have a weird thing in the fitness world where people would just get in their mind i for example i can't run on a treadmill because i have tight achilles tendons so i have to go on the elliptical right so okay right now that's a good band-aid to your problem it's better to get on the elliptical than not doing any cardio at all right, right. But what are you doing to get those tight Achilles tendons better to eventually get back to running, which is a very basic human movement, yeah. right? So I say, or in the weight room, you see people squat with plates under their heels, right? I get it. I understand why you're it right now. Are you moving towards a flat foot squat at some point in the future, or have you just decided you're going to have this dysfunction forever? And I think the one thing is find a way to get your work in now in a way that's safe and, and works with your body now, but try to get better. Because hey, if you have, let's take the tight Achilles example, if you have tight Achilles at 25, at 55, you're going to be a train wreck. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to blow out um, an Achilles. Ex exactly. Well, like, I can't run because I get shin splints. And you're 19. Yeah. yeah good luck being 50. 50. Like, what are you going to do the rest of your life? Right. So how do you get? A, how do you figure this problem out? You know what I mean? Um, and I think a lot of pro a lot of things can be solved. Not everything. Obviously, sometimes you got to go to a medical professional and get a, a surgery or a treatment or a drug, whatever it might be. But a lot of things can be cured with movement and correct movement and yeah. corrective exercises. Um, and we just got to let people know that, you know what I mean? Like if you have, have a, a dysfunction in your knee for some reason, like you said about losing weight, that happened because you moved improperly for a long period of time. It's not going to go away like that. I just snapped my fingers for the people on the podcast. I don't think I put them close <laughs> enough to the mic. But if you, if you implement proper movement mechanics over a long period of time, hopefully that gets better. You've been moving one way your whole life. It, you can't change that in a, in a week. Right. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. That's, that's what it comes down to. And, and before you get involved with doctors, obviously if you're in super duper pain, yeah, but yeah, look, look to a coach or look to like a good book or ask a friend who is into fitness. Hey, what can I do 
to start moving yeah. better. Maybe those are the, the all you need. Yeah, and before I, you start going down a road where you're getting X-rays and CAT scans, and they're telling you you need surgery. Right. I feel like so much of the medical profession, and even and I'm I'm friends with a lot of chiropractors. I always respect what they do, a hundred percent. But the idea of like you're gonna walk into this office and walk out feeling better, but tomorrow you're coming back to the office, right? Right. So it's what do we do to get out of the office? Yeah. And I think um I think the better chiropractors and the better physical therapists are going with the idea of. How do we change your daily movement patterns and your musculature so eventually you're not coming back to the office? You yeah. know what I mean? How do we move properly and not stay injured forever? Um, it's got, and I think that the, the next step in our profession, at least in the college or professional level, is that return to play. You know what I mean? Say you get an acute injury, there's a surgeon that takes that does a surgery or whatever the therapy might be. Then there's a physical therapist that takes you to you know activities of daily living, and then from that point to actually playing at a high level, there's a big gap. Right. Um, and I think coaches and trainers and people that can address that gap are going to be super in demand in the next decade because unfortunately we're in a position where a lot of people get hurt and that have to go back. To, and I think in the tactical field, we're going to see this too, right? The military, firefighters, police officers, you got hurt in some capacity. How do you go back to climbing ladders with gear, with a hose and all the, the, the things you guys do to keep people safe? Um, I think the people that kind of address that need are going to be in super demand. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a good point. Uh, Angelo, thank you for coming on and sharing all that. This was an awesome podcast. I learned a lot from you. Tell everybody, uh, you know, how we can find your book, how we can get in touch with you. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, the book on Instagram is at finish underscore strong underscore book. Uh, and then that, that, that's really the best way to get in touch with me, man. That'll link to my personal accounts. I got an email on there you guys can reach out to. And if everything goes right, the book will be in stores and online in September of 2021, ideally over the summer, we're pump, pumping out some more, uh, some kind of launch stuff to get people ready for that and get get it to come out and hopefully be successful out the gate. And then uh, that, that's, that's going to be it, man. That's what I'm doing for 2021 is trying to get this book out and spread the word and uh, just keep, keep everybody moving. And hopefully you know, 2021 should be a good year. Races are back happening. The Arnold Classic, I think, has, has a date yeah. maybe or soon yeah. they're going to announce something. But uh, hopefully, man, our world comes back and we could get out and, and run and lift and swing maces together again. Yeah, and look out. I think it's going to be an explosion because everybody's just going to be pent up and they're going to be like, I got to get out and just train and whatever. So, uh, yeah, I agree. And very good for you. You have this awesome endeavor to look forward to for next year. It's always good to have a big project lined up and everything. So uh, c congratulations on that and good luck with it. And f for sure, come back on the podcast in the spring. Uh, especially, you know, leading up, you know, we'll do another podcast. We'll talk some more about fitness. We'll talk about any updates with your book or anything when it's going to be coming out. And and uh, we'll also, when it does get released, we'll notify everybody here on the podcast. You just got to let me know when it's out. I'm going to buy my copy and um, I look forward to it. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Check out Angelo and uh, go to his Instagram, follow him and uh, stick tight and, and wait for the book to come out. And don't forget, if you want those discount codes from the Steel Mace Nation sponsors, you have to sign up for the newsletter. Go to steelmacenation.com, sign up for the newsletter, uh, and we give you the discount code updates periodically. Um, they'll change or whatever, and, and we'll just um, notify you on the changes. That would be addxclub.com, addicts, maces, and clubs, vintagestrengthtraining.com, macefit.com graziella coffee company and ongo energy spray those are my sponsors i love those guys merry christmas to all you guys 
uh, for being uh, awesome sponsors and uh, look forward to working with you in the future. All right, everybody, take care.